Hey everyone, I'm your host, Ichi, and welcome to What Happened Again podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to continue on with our Oscar series, and today's movie will be 1917. As always, I'll give a summary of the movie from start to finish, and then follow that with my thoughts and review. And so if you've already seen the movie and you don't want to sit through the summary, then down below my description, I'll have a timestamp where you can skip to so you can go straight to the review. And also the review and the summary portion will all have spoilers. And so if you haven't seen the movie 1917 and you want to watch it spoil free, then please pause the podcast now, go and watch the movie and then come back and listen to my review. And so with that, let's begin. And so this movie takes place during the First World War in April 1917. And so we follow the lives of two soldiers, Blake and Schofield, as they're summoned to meet the general, and they're kind of being briefed on the situation at hand. And so what they thought was that the Germans retreated the Western Front and that they were running away. However, from above, there's a bunch of British pilots, and they've realized that they're not retreating. They're actually moving to a new location, which is the Hindenburg Line, and they are doing that in order to overwhelm and ambush the British once they attack. And so there's a group of British soldiers over there. They have orders to attack at dawn. And the Germans are anticipating it. They're waiting for it. And they're expecting it to happen so that they can overwhelm the British army. And so the British phone lines are cut. And there's no way to relay this message to the troops over there, the 2nd Battalion. And so the general is trying to get these two men, Blake and Schofield, to deliver a handwritten message all the way to the 2nd Battalion to their commander to tell them to stop the attack. And so they're told that if they're to fail the mission, then the Germans will attack and it'll be a huge massacre and the British will lose 1,600 men and amongst those 1,600 will be Blake's brother. And so if they fail, Blake's brother will die in the process. And so now it's their job to deliver this handwritten message all the way to the 2nd Battalion. The problem is, though, delivering the message will require them to do many dangerous tasks, such as crossing no man's land and then crossing other territories that are German-guarded And they also have to do this by the next morning. Like, they don't have time to wait and hide and, you know, be sneaky about many things. Like, they just have to go, go, go because they have a deadline to do this by. And so Blake is extremely determined to start right away since it's his brother's life that's on the line. So he gets straight to work and is, like, weaving through the crowded trenches. Um, There's so many people there. It's so crowded. And he's just, like, bumping into them, just, like, trying to get through them. And Schofield is over there behind him trying to convince him to wait and, like, think about it. You know, because he's like, oh, we need to wait till dark. That way we won't be seen. And he's just trying to get Blake to stop moving. But Blake responds with, you know, something along the lines of, it's not your brother's life, and continues forward. And so Schofield follows, and they reach the area of the trenches that would lead into no man's land. And that's like the dangerous area between the British and German trenches that's full of warfare. And so then there they meet a man, and I'm not sure what his rank is, but they talk to him before going up. And this guy is hilarious. Like, he's so obviously done with the war. And there's, like, this one really, really funny scene where he asks if um, the two men have flare guns and they say no. And so then he's, like, yelling at the guys around him to get him flare guns. And as he's, like, handing it to them, he says, you know, we keep losing these. And so if you guys could just, like, shoot it and then throw it back, that would be great. And so they go into no man's land and it's, like, really quiet, like, eerily quiet. And they aren't being shot at, but they're looking around and they see a bunch of dead bodies. And so there's even a moment when they trip and one guy accidentally lands onto like a rotting body and his hand goes through the guy's body. It was so disgusting. It was so gross. 
you could hear like the sloshing of like when it went in. But you know, I guess that's like the reality of the situation. Like this was a very realistic film. And so they make it all the way to the German trenches and realize that the rumors are true. They have retreated and the whole place is deserted. And so they look around and go inside and they see like the area with the bunks and everything. And they're just shocked by the quality of the living area. Like they comment on how large it is. They have like these large rooms for bunk beds and the beds have like cushions on them. And so they're just like messing around looking into things. And they even have like really, really large rats everywhere. And they joke about how like everything on the German side is bigger. And then they realize that there are trick wires on the ground that the Germans set in place. And so now they're like very cautious and they're trying not to set it off. But then one of the large rats scurry on the ground and, you know, of course, it releases one. And a huge explosion causes the ceiling to fall on top of them. And so Blake doesn't seem to have like much injuries, but Schofield was buried under the rubble. And so Blake is like desperate and he's like trying to dig him out. And so he's like digging all the rubble off and Schofield is underneath it and then he begins to breathe but like dust is filling his eyes and so he can't see and so they're like trying to run out of there but with Schofield like blindly trusting Blake to tell him where to go and where to jump and so it's like full faith and so they finally make it outside and Schofield takes all of his water and just like dumps it onto his eyes to clear out his eyes so he could see again and so they continue walking on and then they come across an abandoned farmhouse and Schofield finds a cow and so he looks around and he sees a bucket of milk and begins to fill his water canister with it because he's just so thirsty and he used up all his water for his eyes. And the two men look into the air and see airplanes in the sky fighting each other. And they're like commentating on it. And they notice that it's like the British planes fighting the German planes. And they're like, who's winning? And they're like, oh, I think we are. And they see a British plane attack a German plane and you see it fall towards the ground. And so it's falling all the way towards the ground and then out of sight. But then you see it like twists back around and it's actually coming towards the two men. And then they start running away from it as it like blows through the house and crashes right by them. And so the pilot is on fire and is like screaming for help. And Schofield and Blake get him out of the plane and they're like trying to help him. And then Schofield's like, should we just like kill him? Like should we mercy kill him? And Blake is like, no, 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 no. He's thirsty. He needs help. Like go get him some water. And so Schofield turns around to get the water but then he hears like screaming and a stab and turns back around to see that this burning man just stabbed Blake who just wanted to help him. It was so sad. And so Schofield grabs his gun and shoots him dead. And so he runs over to Blake who's like bleeding out and he's just trying to get him up so that they can go back and get help. And Blake is so out of it and says that he just wants to lay down and sleep and that Schofield should go back and bring people to him. But Schofield's like, there's no time, there's no time. And he keeps trying to get Blake up and it's like really hurting him. And so Blake's like, stop, stop, stop. I just want to lay here. And so Schofield's holding Blake and, you know, Blake asks if he's dying. And Schofield says, yes, I think so. And then, you know, Blake asks Schofield to make sure that he delivers a message and writes to his mother telling her that he wasn't alone and that he wasn't afraid. And, you know, make sure that he finds his brother. He says, you know, he looks like me, just a little bit older. And, you know, right after that, he passes away. And so as Schofield is holding his friend, another group of British soldiers pass by and offer to give Schofield a ride as far as they can to his next destination. And so he gets in their cart with a bunch of other soldiers and they ride for a bit until the cart gets stuck in the mud. And so, you know, Schofield is really pressed for time right now. And he gets up and he yells for everyone to get up and help him push the car. And so he's like, get out, get out. And he's like, come on, let's push. And at first, only a few people help him because the others don't really care. And with just a few people, they can't really get it going. 
But then like seeing the desperation on Schofield's face, like he really, really, really needs to get moving. And so they all pitch in and they finally get the cart going. And so they continue forward for a little bit longer until they see that the bridge that they needed to pass has been blown up. And so they decide that they need to go another way. And Schofield's like, I can't, like I need to get off now. And so they part ways with Schofield and he will just have to pass through the remaining parts of the bridge alone. And so he tries to cross it and it's just like a really, really tense scene because he begins like walking along the beams, like a balance beam kind of thing. And everyone's like, oh my God, is he going to fall? And then he begins to get shot at by German snipers. And so that's, that even makes it harder. And so he's like trying to dodge the bullets and he gets across the bridge and he like runs and he's shooting back and they're shooting back at him. And he like runs into a building and shots are just being fired by both sides everywhere. And then one of the bullets like knocks him unconscious. And so he is woken up by like dripping water onto his face. That's what makes him conscious again. And he looks outside and notices that it's nighttime. And so he also notices that all the buildings around him are like on fire. And so it's like a really pretty scene where like a black, dark background, but like everything's illuminated by the fire of the buildings. And so he goes back out and is immediately being shot at again. And so shooting between both parties start up and he then runs and finds shelter in like an underground part of a building. And it's in there that he comes across a French girl who is hiding. And when she realizes that he's a British soldier, she lets her guard down. And then she begins to tend to his wounds. And then from the corner of the room, a baby starts to cry. And she goes over there and picks him up. And she shows the baby to Schofield. And he just starts to take out all the food in his bag to give to her and the child. You know, including the canister of milk that he got from that one cow. And so then he asks what the baby's name is. And the woman doesn't know because it's not her child. And after that, he realizes that he spent too much time there and he has to go. And so although she's telling him to stay and hide with them, he really has to go. He has this mission that he needs to finish. And he goes back up to where the fighting is. And so then he comes across a German soldier and he like puts his hand over the mouth. And the German soldier's drunk companion is walking around and she's like talking really loudly. And so he tells the German that he has his hand over to be quiet. But then as he takes his hand off the mouth, the German like speaks up. And so Schofield shoves him onto the ground and begins to suffocate him as this drunk soldier is now like looking for him. And the German soldier on the ground is then, you know, killed by suffocation. And Schofield runs past the other drunk soldier and he's just like too drunk to really do anything about it. And so now after he runs away, other soldiers are running and trying to kill him. And to avoid them, he like jumps into a river and he goes down this like rough river, even down a small waterfall. And now it's dawn and he's just been tossed and turned by this river and he finally reaches land. There's like dead bodies floating everywhere in the water and so he like desperately uses the dead floating bodies to like lift himself up and get him onto land. And once he's there, he like stumbles into the forest and he hears like singing and goes towards it. And so he realizes it's another British group of soldiers and they're huddled around the singing man and Schofield like slumps down against a tree and like listens to the song. And after the song is over, the men are preparing for battle and a few go to him and ask him what's wrong. He tells them that he needs to find the 2nd Battalion and they're like, oh yeah, that's us. And he's like, what? That's you guys? And so he says that he has a message and he needs to see Colonel McKenzie. And so he realizes that they're about to attack, which is what he's trying to prevent in the first place. And so he rushes over and tries to find Colonel McKenzie to stop the attack. But apparently Colonel McKenzie is like really, really far away and everyone else just pushes him away. And they're like, we need to start, we need to start. And he's like, no, 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 give me Colonel McKenzie. And they're like, oh, he's over there, he's over there. 
And so the attack is starting and time is really, really running out. And he just keeps running, trying to find Colonel McKenzie. And this is all happening in the trenches. And so again, like there's so many people there that's like really hard to maneuver. He's like bumping into people and everyone's just shoving him. And so he like looks up to the battlefield and decides that the fastest way to get to where he needs to go is to like go up there and, you know, cross the field to where Colonel McKenzie is. And so he does that and he's like running on the battlefield and there's like bullets and explosions everywhere, but he like avoids all of them. And he finally gets to the bunker to see Colonel McKenzie. And at first the colonel dismisses him and he's like, the attack already began, you know, we prepared for this and we won't lose this opportunity when the Germans are running. And Schofield's like, the Germans aren't running, they're waiting for this, they're waiting to attack, it's going to be a massacre. And so he forces the colonel to read the letter and then the colonel reads it and it's like, all right, tell my men to retreat and let's call off the attack. And so they call off the attack, you know, some men were lost because the attack had started, but it wasn't as bad as it would have been if Schofield never had made it. And so they're back at base and he's looking through all the medical tents trying to find Blake's brother because he promised Blake that he would. And he's just like calling out his name and is looking so desperately. And this just like men with like limbs torn off and like they're bleeding everywhere. And he's just like looking, looking, looking for Blake's brother. And then he comes across a man who is unharmed and realizes that it's him. And so he delivers the news that Blake had passed away and is greeted with kindness and thanks that he was with him the whole time. And so Blake's brother tells him to rest. And so Schofield goes to a nearby tree, finally relaxes as he like pulls out a picture of his wife and two daughters. And that is the end of 1917. And so now let's get into my review and thoughts of the film. And I'm going to first start out with my segment called Facepalm. And so Facepalm is a segment where I talk about things in the movie that I didn't particularly like. And it's not about like plot things. And so I'm not going to be talking about, oh, I wish the movie ended a certain way. It's more of things of like, why did the director put this in? Why did they think that this would make any sense? And so my first facepalm is the woman in the basement hiding with the baby. And so one, how did a British soldier and a French woman know how to communicate with each other? She was speaking French the entire time. And he just like understood everything that she was saying. Like there was no miscommunication between the two. And so that didn't really make much sense to me. I mean, I'm not very good at history. So maybe back then they learned multiple languages. And, you know, especially if the two countries were allies and close to each other, maybe they just like, you know, the French learned English, the English learned French. I guess that would have made sense. But also like how had the lady not been caught? Like there was fire crackling in there. There was a baby crying. And I'm pretty sure that's not the first time the baby had cried. And even when Schofield left the room, he like left the door just like wide open. And so if the Germans were doing their jobs correctly, then they should have easily found her. But you know, I'm just being like really nitpicky. I talked about this to a friend and she said that the burning buildings, you know, made a lot of noise. And so that probably masked the noise of the baby and the fire inside the basement. And you know, the soldiers were really drunk. And so they're probably too drunk to do their jobs. And they weren't really trying to look for people as more of like looking for soldiers to shoot. And so if that was the case, then sure. That would have made sense. Another face palm is a scene with the river when he finally reaches ground and Schofield's like splashing around desperately trying to get on top of the dead floating bodies so that they can lift him up to the ground. And I just feel like if you're in war territory, you would kind of be on the lookout or have your senses be like more on guard. So like my thoughts are like, how did the group of soldiers listening to the man sing not hear all the ruckus in the water? Like, Schofield didn't walk that far to find the people in the forest. How did they not hear all his grunting and, like, splashing in the water? 
I just feel like if Schofield had been a German soldier and he was able to sneak up on them like that, definitely some of the men would have been killed. And then my last facepalm is at the very end of the movie when he's like screaming for Blake's brother. I just feel like that shouldn't be allowed. Like there are men with limbs that are gone, they're bleeding, they're unconscious, and like every effort is over there to help them. And now there's just like this random man screaming. And if I was a nurse, I would tell him to shut up and just get out of there. You can't be screaming like that. And like I understand the desperation in the moment. Like I understand like what they were trying to portray. But still, like if someone ran into a hospital and started screaming, they would definitely be taken away. And so again, these are all just like nitpicky things. Um, they're not necessarily bad. And they didn't like break the movie for me. It was just small stuff that when I was watching the movie, I was just thinking like, hmm, okay. So this movie wasn't a bad movie. And it wasn't really a great movie. It was just like fine. Like it was a good movie. But I mean, for me, war movies aren't really my thing. I mean, I've seen a few and I've enjoyed all of the ones that I've watched. Um, but this movie was just kind of boring to me in the sense that like, you knew exactly what was going to happen. I mean, a man is sent on a mission to deliver a message to another person. And there's no way that this movie is going to end with that message not being delivered, right? Because plot armor is real, plot armor is strong. And so although suspenseful because of the shooting and the bombs and the planes and all the war things going on, it was suspenseful because you didn't know when those things would happen, but not suspenseful because you didn't know what was going to happen plot-wise. It was kind of like a horror movie in that sense where the jump scares are what keeps you on your toes, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the plot. So as a war movie where you like being you know, tense and wondering when the attack will happen, like a war movie that actually feels like being in war, then this movie was a great movie. But as a movie where you want to know where the story leads you, it wasn't because you knew exactly what the ending was going to be. And I also just don't like movies where like one guy is carrying out a mission and just dodging everything. Like the scene when he was running onto the battlefield to find Colonel McKenzie and there are like explosions and bullets coming after him and everyone else around him was getting hit but him. Like was he really that lucky of a guy to be able to like evade all of that? I don't know. I was also a bit shocked that Blake died and definitely shocked that he died so soon. I thought he would have the plot armor on him just like Schofield did, but he didn't. And I think that the scene that he was dying was just really impactful and emotional, especially since he died by like trying to save an enemy. Schofield was the one that wanted to kill him and Blake was like, no, get the water. And he was a good guy and he was the one that died. And that's just that was just really sad. And the scene when Schofield finally finds Blake's brother and you know, tells him that Blake has passed away and that he was with him the whole time and everything. That's also just like a really emotional scene, a really well done scene. And I just really enjoyed the storyline that was there with Blake and his brother. And what I also liked was like the cinematography and how it was all made. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Hopefully you did. But it was a really big deal because the movie is shot and edited. So it looks like one continuous take. So there's actually like no cuts in this movie. And that's why it was just so hard to create and why it's just like a technical feat all around. And so like for example, if you wanted to switch focus to different faces during a dialogue, instead of just cutting to one person and then the other person, the camera would actually circle around to show you the face of the person that was talking. And so I thought that was really cool. So technical wise, it was a great movie, but again, just not my type of film. And if I were to think back to the other war movies that I've seen, like Dunkirk and Hacksaw Ridge, I would actually put those two above this movie. So even though I didn't love this movie, there are still some scenes that I really, really liked. And so we're going to segue into my segment called Obsessed, which are things that I just really, really liked about this movie. And so the first thing that I was obsessed with were the visuals with the fire at night. 
it was the scene when Schofield's in that building and he looks out the window and it's nighttime and the buildings are on fire and it just really illuminated everything. And it was just so pretty. Like when you looked at it, you just saw like really nice radiant shades of red and orange and yellow. And it was just like absolutely stunning, especially since, again, the backdrop was black. And so it just really popped out at you. The other thing that I was really, really obsessed with was although I had issues with how none of the men, you know, heard Schofield struggling in the water, I did really like the song scene. I thought the song was beautiful and there was just like a lot of emotions going on during that scene. There was like the tense and gloomy feeling of men about to go to war, as well as the feelings of like hope the song brings that, you know, these men go to war but are successful and come back. And then for Schofield, he also gets hopeful when he hears the song and also like a sense of tranquility because he's finally come across men that won't shoot at him and is given time to rest for a bit. Because remember, he just came back from being shot up by the Germans and now he's sitting amongst British troops and so he just feels like he can be at ease for just a little bit. And so it's just a nice break from the shooting that we just got and also a nice break before the chaos of the attack, you know, that is to come. And so I really, really enjoyed that singing scene. And yeah, those were really the only two scenes that I really liked in this movie. I know that was like a really short segment, but I honestly can't think of anything else that pops into my mind of things that I really, really liked. And so we're going to move on to my segment called Quote of the Movie. And this is just basically my favorite quote of the whole movie. And so again, like I said, at the very beginning of the movie, there was that one man who was like obviously done with the war. And he was the one who helped Blake and Schofield get up to go onto no man's land. He gave them the flare guns. And he says you know, what day is it? And they say Friday. And he just turns to the guy next to him. He goes, "Ugh, this idiot thought it was Tuesday. Like, I thought that line was so funny. And it was just like a nice contrast because the two men are on the clock and they really need to deliver this really important message to save lives. And this guy over here is just making jokes and taking this whole situation lightly. And I just didn't expect that kind of humor from an intense war movie. And so that was like really appreciated. And so my last segment is my ranking. And again, I put them in the buckets instead of giving them a numerical ranking. And so my buckets are love, great, good, like, all right, apathetic, and bad. And so I was going to put this movie in my apathetic category. But now looking at the movies that I currently have in there, those movies are the ones that I just like have no interest in ever watching again. And this movie isn't that bad where I would never want to watch it again. Because like I said, it wasn't that bad of a movie. It just wasn't my type of movie. I can still applaud it for being a great war film and being intense and suspenseful. As well as being, you know, very well made and beautiful. But the plot was just too simple for me to be truly invested. But if it came on TV or if someone invited me over to watch it, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And so I'm going to put it in my alright category because if I had to, I would watch it again. I just wouldn't go out of my way to rewatch it. And so that's the end of the episode for 1917. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys stick around for the rest of the Oscar series. I know the next episode that I'll be doing is Parasite. And it's really exciting because as I'm recording now, I'm just about to go and head over to the movie theater to see Parasite. And I'm really pumped up because I've heard really good things about it. Everyone has told me that I would really, really enjoy it. And so I'm super excited for that. And so right after I see it, I'll come back and do the episode on it. So I hope you stick around. And stay tuned and I hope to see you guys soon.